0: Preface tonight by saying I want to be exploring rest more so as a rhythm, okay? Uh, and rest more so the why of rest and less of the how of rest. I think how rest can obviously be subjective and looks a little bit different for everyone. But really exploring why rest, why is rest important, um, and how is that ultimately, yeah, going to drive us to be greater with God and in a greater relationship with God. So. I think the idea of rest is actually a very timely topic, um, especially leading into Christmas time. I'm sure if you ask any. Christmas retail worker I'm sure they'll tell you that it's not a very restful time Um, and I just want to say as well straight off the bat I'm definitely no expert in this topic I'm not coming to you from like a super zen peaceful state or anything like that but I'm actually someone who's really struggled with this topic of rest and busyness and hustle and hurry and all these sort of things that I've began to notice in our culture and I'm sure many of you guys have as well especially as young people in this particular cultural context we live in a time that is hurried and is busy and is full and is chaotic and I'm sure that's going to look different for everybody um, but it's something that I'm noticing more and more and I do want to say off the bat as well there's probably many reasons legitimate reasons why people might be busy and burnt out and I don't want to brush any of those off as illegitimate or anything like that you know Um, there's many good reasons why people are busy as well but have you ever noticed that sometimes we tend to glorify exhaustion among young people. Has anyone noticed that? I've seen memes about it on the internet. Um, even just this idea that we tend to outbusy each other sometimes. I know sometimes when I'll catch up with friends, um, you know, you, you meet someone, you say, oh, hey, how are you going? And they're like, oh, yeah, so busy, yeah, flat out, you know, the grind, the hustle, whatever. And we just sort of say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Does anyone, Has anyone felt that? Yeah. Um, And I've struggled with that. I've I've struggled with that because I don't know if that is really fruitful and flourishing for our souls. So although we're going to touch on the idea of Sabbath tonight, I really want to explore more the idea of rest as a rhythm um, and that rest should be a regular part of our lives so that when we inject pockets of rest into our lives, we're able to regularly draw nearer to God, um, to reject the culture of hurry and ultimately strive for Christ-like maturity. So, if you take anything from tonight, I want it to be this statement that we should lead from a place of rest, not default to a place of rest. Lead from a place of rest, not default to a place of rest. I'm not too sure if I really like the word default in this sentence, it's sort of the best one that I could come up with. Um, If you, to put it in a bit of context, if you were to buy a house here in Australia, um, say you were to put a down payment on your house and then pay off your mortgage repayments over a the life of the loan, if you were for some for whatever reason unable to make your repayments um, i'm sure the bank would hassle you for a little while, but ultimately, if you are unable to make your repayments, you would default on your house, so that's sort of the term that is given you'll be given a notice of default, ultimately saying, well, they'll foreclose on your house, i'm sure eventually, and take it back in some way but i the idea is that defaulting on your house it's really just like a blanket statement saying. My house has been taken away from me because I was unable to make my repayments. It was a consequence of not being able to make my repayments. And I want us to see rest in this passage in a sort of similar way. Um, I want us to be able to lead from a place of rest and not have to resort to rest as a consequence because we've been too busy. Does that make sense? Cool. So, if you have your Bibles, flick with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, we're going to be reading from verse 35 and I'm going to be reading from the NIV translation, it should be up on the screen. Verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So we travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Alright, so just quickly, some context to this passage. Um, Right... Before this, this is somewhat early um, in Jesus' ministry. Right before this, um, we know that he was baptised. He was then sent to the wilderness to be tempted. Um, He's called out his first disciples. And now he's in Capernaum and he's started healing people. And he's gathered quite a crowd, quite a big audience, Right before this, verse 33, it says the whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. So you could say it was an unexpected development that in the midst of such scenes, we can see that Jesus withdrew from the crowd early in the morning as well to go and pray. Now, there were many rest passages in the Bible that I was sort of looking at and dissecting tonight and thinking oh which one will be a good one to sort of unpack and explore together Um, but I chose this one because I think um well firstly who better to learn from than Jesus Jesus himself Um, but one thing I've noticed as well is we often look at the words and the teachings of Jesus which I think is yes amen definitely do that but we often don't look at his pace and the lifestyle of Jesus Um, So when we talk about this idea of rest as a rhythm, we can see that this is something that Jesus not only modelled himself but also prioritised amidst a busy lifestyle. And my prayer is that as we look at this passage to see the pace of Jesus, we might also be able to reflect on our own lives and whether our pace is one that allows for rest and connecting with the Father. So... How we're going to do that is I want to unpack this passage by looking at four things that I think rest is not. Okay, four things rest is not. And you might find yourself in one or a few of these. I know I've probably found myself in all of these at times. So number one of what rest is not, if you're taking notes, rest is not absence of meaningful activity. Rest is not absence of meaningful activity. So for those of you who are perhaps getting a little bit excited, that um, you can... Doze off early, or you can have a six hour Netflix binge when you get home. That's what I'm advocating for. Sorry to burst your bubble. That's not really where I'm heading. Um, I think a biblical theology of rest is actually much greater than that. So, rest isn't just abstaining from meaningful activity. Now, when we look at this passage here in Mark, um, if you've still got it open, we can see that Jesus withdrew from the people to pray and spend time with his Father. He didn't withdraw just to chill out. But we can see that he had purpose in his withdrawal. And that was one, to spend time with the Father. And two, as a result of that, he recognised the need to go elsewhere and continue preaching and healing in other parts of Galilee. So, why would he have decided to withdraw, especially that early in the morning, to pray when things were going so well, you could ask? Um, at this point in his ministry, Jesus hadn't gained any opposition that I'm aware of. He's just gained followers and a huge audience. Everyone was coming to him for healing, prayer, that sort of thing. You know, if when I read this, I think, well, why would he get up so early to pray? Why, you know, wouldn't a sleep in have helped him be on his A-game for another day of healing, perhaps? Um, but we see that in the next cha- chapter after he moved along and continued to teach and heal in other parts of Galilee, that some opposition did arise and people weren't too happy about his unconventional ways of teaching with authority. And I do wonder that if Jesus had simply stayed, um, you know, kept going as he was, I wonder if he would have been monopolised in Capernaum and that opposition would have arose before he even had a chance to go on and to spread the news like he had intended to. And... I wonder if for some of us that's the same, you know, when, we, when things are going well, we're less likely to stop and rest and spend time to God and just reflect because things are going well, you know. Um, we see that through Jesus withdrawing to pray and connect with the Father, he was able to find rest in a way that realigned his vision to God's cause, stirring the prompt then to tell his disciple that it was time to move along and continue elsewhere. In Matthew 11, verse 28, very famous verse. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He didn't say, go away, abandon all responsibility when you're weary and burdened, switch off. He said, come to me. He wants a relationship. And for some of you, I also want to acknowledge that getting up at the crack of dawn to pray doesn't seem that restful. Am I right? Maybe? Someone? Yep. Yep. Just me? Cool. Um, but I don't want you to shut off here. I'm not saying this is the only way to rest. Um, uh, further on in Mark chapter 2, it actually says, um, th- again, this is Jesus, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So I want you to think of this idea of Sabbath and rest not as a, another box to tick, or oh, I just got to get up and pray and that's all it's going to look like. But no, I want you to be creative with it and excited for it, okay? Because um, that's how I actually think God intended rest to be, a place of delighting um, and a place of really, um, you know, finding that connection and relationship with him. So even though there is nothing wrong with Netflix, I would like to propose that maybe God has a greater purpose for your rest and that good soulful rest is to focus on the relationship over the activity. Number two, what rest is not? Rest is not in opposition to busyness. Rest is not in opposition to busyness. So we live in a culture that is addicted to the busyness and the hurry and the hustle. Um, For me, I probably felt this the most heaviest in 2015. Um, I don't know why, that was just when I personally felt the busiest. I remember I would have been... 19 at the time. I lived with a couple of girlfriends. It was really fun, but I remember working three jobs and I was studying full time and I was part of a human trafficking organization and I was saving for the wedding and I just felt busy. And by coincidence, two of my housemates were in the exact same boat. We were both constantly feeling busy and exhausted, and often when we'd come home for the day, um, we'd have a bit of a whinge to each other and say, Oh, I'm so busy, oh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and in some strange attempt to eliminate that we decided to ban the b word from our house busy so if one of us said oh I'm feeling busy the other one would say ah not allowed to say that that word's banned in our house I don't really know what exactly that was meant to achieve I don't know maybe just to somehow magically change our rhythms and routines it didn't but there you go Um, but around sort of this time it was actually Andrew Boonstra who said something to me that I'll never forget he said be busy but not hurried be busy but not hurried and it still stuck with me um I think because being busy right is subjective um and when we start putting parameters on what might constitute being busy it can either a we can fall into comparison you know I might think oh look at Wade you know he's um you know doing so much more than me he's doing so much better than me oh whatever um how am I ever gonna you know Live like Wade, look at all the things he's doing, you know. Or two, we can fall into pride. So, you know, quite the opposite. Like, oh, look at me, look at all the things I'm doing. Look at Wade, he's barely doing anything. It's relaxing after all his exams. Gee. (laughs) No, what a shame. Um, However, reflecting on whether you're hurried, it takes some more reflection, doesn't it? And it takes a bit of a heart check, you know. We might ask ourselves some questions to do that, you know. I think, yeah, I've got some here. You know, is my lifestyle or activities taking away from my relationships? Am I doing well or am I doing things half-heartedly? That's a big one for me. I remember I was definitely doing a gazillion things half-heartedly. I wasn't doing a lot of things well. How is my overall health, well-being? It's a good question to ask. And then I guess overall as a result of that, what might be contributing to that, helping or hindering that? Okay, so these, perhaps for some of you, are some good questions to reflect on, um, whether you are leading a hurried lifestyle. Now, in our passage here in Mark, we can see that Jesus himself lived a busy lifestyle, right? You could argue that. He was busy healing people. His prayer time in the morning was even interrupted. Um, Simon's like, everyone's looking for you. You know, Jesus was busy, but I don't think he was ever hurried. And I think we can learn a lot from this because I believe that you and I can also leave busy, depending on how you want to define that, full lives that are still obedient and faithful and restful and intentional. Whereas hurry, on the other hand, although obviously tolling at times, can actually rob us from the small, subtle nudges of Holy Spirit um, and it can stop us from being fully present at times. I wonder, though, if some of us actually like being hurried. The idea of a steady, measured, faithful life might actually sound a bit boring. Or maybe the idea of being genuinely still and vulnerable before God might actually make you feel uncomfortable. We know that being hurried will at least occupy us and maybe even keep us distracted from the things that we might not want to face. We know, however, that hurry can give us an inaccurate, self-inflated sense of purpose or more dangerously might even lead us to believing like a workspace salvation, you know, oh, if I keep doing this or that or whatever, then, then maybe God will love me or then maybe I'll be happy, okay? Hurry will only detract us from being still and surrendering to the whispers of Holy Spirit, which can sometimes be uncomfortable, to be completely honest. And I think a good discipline to perhaps counteract this is that of silence and solitude, which is uncomfortable, Being completely still can be really difficult. At work, sometimes I run a relaxation class for some of my patients, or maybe I'll do a one-on-one relaxation class. I work in a rehab hospital, if you don't know. Um, And you think, oh, that sounds really fun, yeah, that's easy as for rehab. But some of my patients find it so difficult, you know. We'll be, you know, I'll guide them through some exercises, things to relax, slow down their body, focus on their breathing, etc. And they'll they'll be fidgeting and sort of restless and all this stuff. And they say afterwards, that was really hard. It was actually really hard to fully be still and fully listen to my body, which you'd think is strange. But I think, you know, if this is something that you want to start practicing, the stillness and the restfulness, have heaps of grace on yourself, okay? Um, And just reflect on your lifestyle and the hurriedness. We want to focus less on what we're achieving, but more on who we're becoming. Is a hurried life, you know, actually damaging our souls potentially? How is it forming us? So rest is not in opposition to busyness. It's more so in opposition to hurriedness. Number three, if you're keeping track, rest is not in contradiction to work. So sort of in a similar line to the last one, I think we need to be careful not to see work as bad and rest as good. Okay. If we go straight back to Genesis 1, right at the start of the Bible, we can see that God created everything. He created the heavens, the earth, Light, dark, um, animals, seas, plants, etc. On the sixth day, he created mankind and on the seventh day, he rested. So if you read from Genesis 2.2, 2, it says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, did God need to rest? probably not. It's not like he'd been so busy from creating, he's like, Oof, wiped out, I need to have a rest. No, but the word rest in Genesis 2.2, 2, it's translated to Shabbat, which more, um, I think more accurately would uh, in the English language mean cease or to stop, okay. Um, and so the understanding is that God stopped from his work on the seventh day, He ceased creating because he saw that all he had created was good and he chose to rest, he didn't need to rest, he chose to rest to stop and delight in his creation and to then set the pace and the tone for the rest of us for the importance of rest to also live that out as image bearers. Um, In the Jewish tradition, Shabbat was a Saturday and that was actually part of the law of Moses so it was taught that there will be no work on the seventh day um, as a day of rest from ceasing from your work to delight in the Lord as God had done when he created the world. And this is um, for the Israelites to remember God, to delight in him and reaffirm that we're not designed just to work but also to delight in him. I also find it interesting in Genesis and it's easy to miss but we can see that God created man on the sixth day and on the seventh day he rested. So if you're paying attention, you might notice that when it was man's first day in existence, his first day was actually a day of rest. So before Adam went out to, I don't know what he did, tended the fields and the animals and all those things, he actually rested first before he was sent out into his vocation that God had given him. And I think that's something really easy to miss, um, but I love it. It's almost as if God was to say, you know, you are made for more than just your work. I want you to stop and delight in me first. I love this quote um, from this book I've been reading. When we look at this idea of Sabbath, okay, um, by an author, Jeff Bethke, he says, so many of us see Sabbath as a dentist appointment, something we might have to do and something we'd all say is probably good for us, but really isn't that enjoyable. But it's much more like Christmas, a high point of celebration and delight that isn't perfect by any means, but something that draws us to something greater, I love that. It's important that we don't think that work and rest are in opposition to each other because if they are, then they naturally fight. God blesses both, so we should do both well to thrive. If we don't stop to experience the glory of God in rest, we won't be able to glorify him in our work either. Last one, number four this one might hit a nerve, rest is not neglecting commitments. I was a bit reluctant to put this one in because I was like, oh, but this is definitely something that I've been guilty of many times. Um, this is something I've seen all the time, I'm sure some of you have as well. How often do you hear people say, oh, I'm so sorry, I can't come, at two, come along to fill in the blanks tonight because I'm just exhausted, I need a rest, right? Right? I'm sorry I can't make it to your birthday party or life group or this or that, I'm just exhausted, I need to rest. Now, there definitely might be some merit in that statement. Were they tired and did they need to rest? Probably. Would rest have helped them because they were tired? Probably. Um, But I wonder if sometimes if we were to lead from a place of rest, remember what we said at the start, maybe that would have Help them or us with clarity in choosing you know, how to fill in their time wisely, so it wouldn't have resulted in needing rest as a consequence for their actions. Okay, um, this happened to me very recently. Um, uh, so my life groups probably heard me talk about this, but recently I got this opportunity from work to do further study, um, and it was like pitched real well. You know, like further study work was going to pay for it. Work was going to pay for me to take time off to do it as well like everything about it was like why wouldn't I do this you know and I jumped straight into it I applied it was through the University of Tasmania I got in and as I was sitting at the computer to enroll in all my subjects I just realized like I haven't even prayed about this <laughs> like I haven't even asked God and it sort of came to me and I was thinking and I just all of a sudden felt overwhelmed and I was like I don't even want to study but that that I'm done. Like, I'm so done. When I finished study, I told everyone, I was like, I'm never going back to uni. And then all of a sudden, you know, and I think it's because in my particular workplace, you know, further study is really highly regarded. Everyone does it. All my colleagues do it. Um, You know, and when I was presented with this opportunity, I was like, of course I'm going to do it. Like, it'll help me progress in my career, X, Y, Z. Um, But when I actually reflected on it and I looked at sort of what would have to give for me to, you know, do this further study, etc., I realised, actually, this isn't really in line at all with what I think God is actually calling to me in this particular season. It's not to say I won't ever do it. Again, study's not bad. This, you know, all these things aren't bad. But I wonder if I had, you know, actually stopped to reflect, spend time with God and actually just rest in him and ask him, is this a good idea for me? I probably wouldn't have had to go back to my manager the next day and say, oh, sorry, I've backed out, you know, that kind of thing, um, which I did have to do. Lucky she was very gracious on me. Um, But in this passage, we can see that Jesus too had a calling and a mission. In verse 38, he says, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. He knew why he had come and what his purpose was. So maybe for some of us, we might need to have a little bit of a life audit, not necessarily to eliminate activity. I mean, maybe that's the case for some of us. But actually ask yourself, how can I inject pockets of rest into my life to be more present, more intentional, and more Christ-like within my commitments? To do them well, not half-heartedly. So that's number four. So we had, let's just do a quick recap. Rest is not... Absence of meaningful activity, rest is not in opposition to busyness, rest is not in contradic- contradiction to work, and rest is not neglecting commitments. So, what is rest then? To recap, so we know that rest um, is a command in the Old Testament, Sabbath was part of um, the law. We know that Jesus himself rested and taught his disciples to do so. So, why are we so quick to ignore this commandment? We know that rest is good for our bodies. And in this particular culture of hurry and hustle, um, you know, rest is a tool that we can actively use to combat against this culture, to draw nearer to God. Um, I wanted to share this other quote with you. It's from a um, pastor, Adam Marbury in the US. He says, by forgetting to stop, we forget God. Restlessness is the refusal to lay down our work so we can open our arms to God, meaning that our busy hands are always full. This robs God of glory, his weighty significance in our lives. Holy time given to a holy God makes us more wholly aware that we are not gods. We neither create nor save ourselves. God does. So I think then just to sort of, Recap and look at the how a little bit of rest. What does this look like? I've come up with this little sentence. I really like it because it kind of rhymes. Um, but we want to be asking ourselves in our rest times, whatever that might look like, and however we're feeling it, uh, feeling it we want to ask ourselves is it soul nourishing and does it lead to human flourishing? How good does that sound? Don't you reckon? Could be a wrap. Um, so for me, spending three hours on TikTok is probably not going to meet that definition you know it's true you know it's true so ask yourself whatever that might be is the way I'm filling my time is it going to nourish the soul and lead to my flourishing you can use that as a bit of a filter to sort of um i don't know go through so what is it then how do we rest It could be, but this is by no means an exhaustive list. It could be, you know, um, engaging in the spiritual disciplines. Some of our life groups have been looking at fasting. Is it prayer? Is it giving to the needy? It could be spending time in the Word. It could be meditating on Scripture, memorising Scripture. It could be digital minimalism, carking your phone for the day. That's going to be a hard one. Um, It could be going for a walk. It could be catching up with a mentor. Um, It could be so many things, but whatever it is at the heart, we want to be asking ourselves, how are we spending time with God? How are we spending time with God and resting in his presence to ultimately draw us nearer to him and, um, you know, live out our flourishing as image bearers? And I think it takes practice as well. I just want to reiterate that um, it takes practice and we can be gracious on ourselves. If perhaps some of you have never, um, you know, practiced the Sabbath and that's okay as well, you know, start where you're at, not where you think you should be. Um, For those of you who are in a young adult life group, we've been looking at this series of fasting, um, and there were some super keen beans in my life group who were like, great, let's do a seven-day fast right off the bat. And I was like, all right, but... I don't know if I can do that. But, you know, and it was great. It was great. The encouragement and the enthusiasm was so great. But it's okay to start off where you're at. And Tuesday life group struggled a bit more than Monday life group. We started off with just an eight-hour fast and then built it up. I know Monday went straight for the 24-hour, the which is great. But, you know, same with rest. We have, be gracious on yourself. And I think be creative as well in terms of what that's going to look like when you withdraw. Take that time to stop and cease and spend time with God be creative. I think as well, um, I just want to stress the importance of having a mentor or a life group or an accountability group as well. And I think this is something that we can really um, discuss in those relationships as well and actually hold each other accountable and ask each other, hey, how are you resting? Um, Are you resting? What does it look like? How can I encourage you in your resting? You know, these sort of things as well. I think, you know, when we encourage each other to actively reject the culture of hurry and hustle, it can be an empowering and an encouraging thing to do. So I'd encourage you guys to do that as well. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you that you are a good and a loving Father. I thank you that you love drawing nearer to us and you love to speak to us and you love to um, really just meet us where we're at. And Father, tonight, I really pray that each of us... um, can be encouraged to find rest with you, whatever that looks like, God. I pray that you will help us to find rest in our current lives and just spend that time to draw nearer to you, to reject the culture of hustle and hurry and busyness, but just stop to be still, to be present. God, we don't want to rest because we're exhausted and we've had to as a last resort. We want to rest because we want to delight in you. We want to spend time with you. We want to enjoy you, Father. You're so good to us. So I thank you for all that you are, and I thank you that you will help us rest as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So to finish up, um, we'll have on the screen a little bit of a response question. Oh, it's a bit small, sorry. Um, I want you to get um, perhaps in pairs or maybe groups of three at the most and actually ask each other, how can you lead from a place of rest and not default to a place of rest? Okay, so we're going to spend maybe a couple of minutes doing that. I popped a few resources on the screen as well. Have a look. Um, if you're interested, these are some of the things I've been reading and looking at, a couple of podcasts. I know my life group sick to death of me talking about podcasts, but these two are really good. Same guy that did the fasting stuff and a few books as well if you wanted to follow that up later. But let's do that now. We're going to spend a few minutes. Um, how can we lead from a place of rest and not default to a place of rest Uh, and then Joel's going to close for us and we'll get the tennis balls ready. Sound good?